You're listening to Process with Broads and D-Ray. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Process. And I can't believe I'm actually going to say this, but the 76ers made a move. There's something to actually talk about when it comes to news with this team. And not only that, D-Ray, I actually have some bad news. Mm. I had no coffee this morning, and there's none in my house. I don't know oh. how to operate. I can't function properly. Oh, I, man. I need that jitter. I don't have it, and I don't know how to even do anything at this moment. Man, if you would have told me, we would have definitely pushed this back. I, I'd have, just please go on a wild wild run. I feel you. I, I definitely feel you on that one, man. I got I got my water here. I, I ain't got to the coffee yet, but... I get it. I'm looking I, I, I for get my jug as if I'm going to pretend that I still drink it and I still have it next to me. I can't even find it at this point. So no jug for me. I'll say this, though. I got Wawa coffee yesterday, and I'm okay mm-hmm. with the Wawa coffee. I don't complain with any coffee. It was cold as hell. I went home. I had to nuke it in the microwave. Now, that just bothers me. Oh, no, no. You like the I, I ain't going to lie. I like a, a cold coffee. Oh, I, don't mind cold, just, I don't mind iced coffee, but it's it's hot over ice. No doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. Very much so. I get you that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, the, the coffee purists of the world. You can do an iced coffee, but it's about the, those rich beans in that hot <laughs> coffee that really gets everything going. <laughs> coffee you know? connoisseur. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, we'll get into some hoops talk because there's a lot. <laughs> to get into today and we'll start with this the move they made they signed Ryan Brokoff 6-6 big guy and all he does literally all he does is stand there and shoot the basketball I'll say this 10 minutes per game four points per game I know that there's a lot of I'd say excitement because you see 40% three-point shooter and the Sixers definitely need spacing I don't expect him to do much at all when it comes to this team down the stretch in the postseason. And two, if he was that unbelievable, you wouldn't see the Dallas Mavericks get rid of him, a team who is competing. I know teams make mistakes sometimes and they get rid of certain players, but I I just feel as if maybe there's way too much hype involved with this guy than there should be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know how it goes. We get something as Philly fans, and it's like the beauty of it is we give people a chance, and we say, like, listen, it's going to be the best thing since sliced bread. He's going to solve all our problems. He's JJ Redick, even better. But the reality is, like you said, the Mavericks, he was that good. They wouldn't let him go. You know, we was just watching the clips. You said that if, if he was really that solid of a shooter, he wouldn't be left open constantly. And He's kind of the last option. But from a, ca- a mechanical standpoint, I love his shot. I love his shot. I-, I see why on paper it looks good. At that height, how pure his shot looks like. If he does knock him down, if he does have that confidence, it-, it could turn into something beautiful. You know what I mean? I ain't saying he's about to go out there and pull a John Paxson. But I'm saying, like, that's that's another six six to nine points a game right there. Well, the one thing that I, I do think is – interesting or at least i'd say i understand why they went out and made the move with the whole covid19 this person can be quarantined and this guy has to leave for two weeks and can't be near the team or can't play you got you got someone who can spread the floor but with dallas i'd say they spread the floor way better than the sixers do so maybe he struggles here because let's be real Everyone who comes to this city, it seems as if their numbers go down. So because of the spacing, if he's out on there on the floor with Ben and and Joel or Ben and Al Horford or something, and something's not right for him, he has less time to shoot the basketball than he's used to, he might not be a 40% shooter here. I didn't think about that. You're absolutely right with guys' percentages going down. We had talked about that. I know we're getting into it later. We talked about that with guys like Josh Richardson and guys like Tobias Harris and uh, you know, I, I completely forgot about that. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, that's it's it's a safety net. Ain't nobody about to expect him. To, it's like extra credit. Nobody expect him to go out there and just do everything. And anything he does north of that, smitten by it. Yeah, no doubt. I think he'll get some run during this eight-game stretch to get mm-hmm. everybody kind of rolling when it comes to the postseason. You, you might see him out there. But here's a question. You talk about playoff ball. We went through this roster 
we're having trouble trying to find out where Mike Scott, Alec Burks, Glenn Robinson III, Matisse Thybul, where those players are going to be inserted into the lineup. Al Horford, possibly, even if he comes yeah. off the bench. Now you're telling me that this guy's going to get a lot of minutes. I would even say, let me ask you this. Would you rather have Furkan Korkmaz or or um, Brokhoff in the lineup in a playoff game? Because you, you know me, I'm not even a Furkan guy, and my answer is Furkan. Furkan, for sure, just because he knows the system more. It's something to be said about guys playing together that long, knowing where the spots are. Like I said, if this guy turns into something great, then cool. But if he doesn't, the, the beauty of it is nobody's really expecting. I'm not going to say nothing. Damn, day, you got signed. You got paid. But, like, no one's expecting for him to just reinvent the wheel or, like we said, turn into some type of J.J. Reddit caliber shooter. It's just that's a couple more points a game. But, hell, I'm going with Furkan at the end of the day because he knows these guys. He knows the system. Now, it was interesting, though, watching you watch the highlights and the clips of him shooting. Oh, that form. Oh, oh, that form. Smooth. <laughs> I didn't expect it. That's all. <laughs> his shots go straight up and straight in, man. It's, it's, you look at his highlights from Dallas, and it's, some of them aren't even, like, they're just dropping straight in. They, they're barely touching the net on the way down, and that – to, for him to be six six and have such a great form, I, I see why he keeps getting signed. Like he he's a pure shooter, but that only gets you so far. But then you and obviously, clips. Exactly. I'm about to say, <laughs> clung. Hey, I get that rebound though, <laughs> asshole. What were you gonna say? Were you gonna chirp me? Is that what you were no, 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 man. I just say it's just it's a it's the thing that nobody ever looks at okay this guy can shoot what does he look like on defense you know what i mean like it's a two-way we're not playing football you don't just get out there on one side of the field one side of the court like how does he look on defense and i, I don't know man but it, at least they made a move and it, it's a, to me it's a pretty solid yeah it's it's a security blanket and yeah you talk about the defense i'll tell you what Furcon can't play much defense either and that's going to be my big concern when everything starts to actually go down this playoff run but look they made uh they made a move they had an extra two-way contract he's not a two-way contract guy but because of the rules with the quarantine they're able to pick somebody up with less than three years of experience or it was either less than three years or three years and less or whatever but they're able yeah. to go out and and snag him and security blanket if anything goes wrong they have a uh, someone who can stretch the floor and they definitely need shooting and need someone to stretch the floor so yeah. you never know i just i'm not all at giddy as other people out there after looking at his numbers because i think yeah. there's a lot more to it than just seeing hey 40 percent shooter you know yeah and i, I will say this uh, something that might help him tremendously. There's no crowd. So we don't really have to deal with the pressure of Philly fans yelling at him to shoot or Philly fans yelling at him. Trust he me, I bet you he's shooting without us screaming. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying like, I, I think that he he might perform pretty well just because it's, to him it's like, I'm in a scrimmage. I'm in a practice. I'm in a tryout right now. You know what I mean? So it's like he might have a free conscious. It could turn into something great, but if it doesn't, I don't I don't think anybody's going to, you know, go home and flip a table if it doesn't. Well, that's not necessarily true. Look at what we're talking about right now. But I will say it's pretty damn funny that you're sitting here talking about NBA games. Imagine if I told you, you know, you're getting ready for an NBA game and how important it would be to you, your mental preparation for the whole week, what dinner you're eating to make sure everything's right in your body, that water you're drinking, you're drinking 90 of those, and you're talking about how because of the scenario, that's kind of like a scrimmage. That's kind of like a tryout because of the atmosphere. I think about We're talking about an NBA game. How important would that be to you? And to the, it's, it's a scrimmage. That's crazy. No, I'm just saying because oh. of the scenario where yeah. we like something so important as an NBA game is mm -hmm. now almost like, yeah, with the atmosphere, it's almost like an AAU game, but it's still the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I, I think I downplayed a little bit because I, I want him to. You know what I mean? I, I don't want somebody to go in there like, oh my God, it's an NBA game with the Sixers. I got to like put everything on the line. I've, it seems like guys, and you know this, guys perform the best when they're just kind of in that autopilot mode and they're just, and it makes it easier to simulate that when there's nobody in the crowd. But yeah, it is an NBA game. It is something to be taken serious. But like I said, it's just, just downplay it just a little bit so he doesn't go in there and the, the first shot in the Sixers uniform is an air ball, man. Because that, that, that would be hard to talk somebody back down from that ledge.
I find that hard to to believe, though, that that would happen with him because he is someone who literally only shoots threes. Yeah. You know me. The D is great. But imagine if all your job was to do, stand there. Just stand there. Stand there and shoot the damn basketball. Is there a better job than that? I would say yes because I love what I do out there. I was about but to still, say. I mean, think about that though. I was just about stand to... there and score the damn bucket. Just all you got to do, just get ducats. Oh, Kyle Korver made one hell of a career doing exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. That's what, I think that's what everybody thinks. Like we see a white shooter in Philly, and it's like Kyle Korver. Like we just hope, like we hope and pray, like we go home and like get on our knees and just look at this like Julius Irvin version of Jesus and like, can you please <laughs> just just make, send us another Kyle Corbin? <laughs> and that's what they think this guy's gonna be. But that's great. That's off to him. I, I hope he does kill it. The blue jersey, Kyle Corbin. That's what I'm <laughs> picturing right now. That blue jersey was something special. Now before that's your favorite. In, what's that? That's your favorite, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, that's yeah. iconic to me. Those jerseys as a whole, when you look at the history of the Sixers, probably mm. not their smoothest logo and all that, but that's kind of what we grew up with, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but before we dive into a couple of these questions, we teased on the last podcast a couple more questions, and then we have a pretty cool article to go over where it talks about the biggest legacy boosts with the 2020 title and some mm-hmm. interesting names. But before we dive into these questions, you see this hat I have on here. Now, a couple episodes ago, I wore a thunder hat, and people just destroyed me. What do you do with that thunder hat? It's just a hat, right? This, I forgot all about it because I'm moving. I'm getting all my stuff together. And I look at all my hats. I'm like, damn, I got to get rid of some of these. And at the bottom, I forgot I had this beautiful hat of LeBron James's face. That's all it is. It's just his face on the front of the hat. The, the, would you rock this hat, D-Ray, or am I a total idiot? Uh, with a capital H, hell no. You wouldn't hell rock no, a LeBron rock hat it. like this? No. If it no. was Kobe's face, would you wear it? <sighs> we had a discussion at that point. We got a discussion at that point, okay. but hell no, not the LeBron one. If anything, I'm more of a fan of the C on the side. It's a, that's it is a, a fresh C, is it not? Other side, other side, other side, other side. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, a yeah, yeah. that's other a nice side. little that's a nice little add on right there. But it's the fact that it's just his face. Ugh. What's wrong with it? Oh, it's a turtle jerk off hat. I completely <laughs> understand, but you know, as I look here to my right. Oh, look at that beautiful poster that's all in a frame with a bronze face on it. Oh, that's your goat. That's your goat. I dig it. I of dig course it. it is. You kidding me? I dig it. Yeah, I... <laughs> all right, let's talk Sixers. I can talk LeBron James all day. We have some questions left. And course, the first course. question... By the way, if you didn't listen to the last episode that we put up, we're breaking down the top five questions heading into Orlando for the Sixers, and this was written by MKB of CBS Sports. So we did the uh-huh. first couple questions last episode. We have a few left. Number three, we'll start with this. What will the starting lineup look like? And this is interesting because they have two scenarios laid out in front of them, and these scenarios both kind of stink at the same time, if you think about it. Scenario one. Going with a rotation that you know doesn't work. With Ben at the one, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, Al Warford, and Joel Embiid. A five that has struggled. Or the alternative is a starting five you never really seen together. Shake Milton, Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, and then then Joel Embiid. So you have two scenarios. None are really good. One that kind of stinks and you know it. And then the other one is, it's so raw, you have no clue what it is. Which one do you really choose? I got to be honest with you, bro. Neither. Neither? Neither. As you broke that down, I realized that the the better person in that fifth starter spot might be Matisse Thibault. Love that. Might be Matisse. Because when I think about Shake Milton, it's like, not that he's not a, not that he's a slouch on defense, but he's much better on offense. You have a defensive minded team that plays great in transition. Maybe throwing a Matisse Thibault in there, a guy who doesn't need the ball so much in the beginning of the game, a guy who you're really not expecting that much out of offensively, that kind of alleviates some pressure defensively. That gives Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid to kind of get into a rhythm offensively early on. And because he's such a role player, because he's such a backseat player, like Al Horford would be in that spot in the sense of, you know, with this lineup, you're kind of deferring to Tobias Harris, Joe Embiid and Ben Simmons. 
that allows them to kind of breathe. But that defense to set the tone between him and Josh Richardson, what Ben Simmons can do, obviously, to buy the worst defender in his lineup, and it's crazy to say that, might be Tobias Harris. And he's not bad at all. So to set the tone defensively with that lineup, and then you add in a Shake Milton, then you throw in an hour for later down the line, Matisse Stiebel might be the best for that fifth starter spot. I'm not against that at all. I think that would be great. And obviously, he wouldn't play nearly the same amount of minutes as the other starters. He's just the guy who's going to start. But I wonder if if we start talking about the um, slowing down of the game and the possession Mm -hmm. by possession, will that hurt the team offensively where Shake Milton can shoot the ball better from three? He's more versatile offensively, not as good defensively. So I get it. From the defensive side, you are going to be swarming teams, which is what this roster was all about when they put it together, so I understand. But if the if it becomes a half-court set game, does that hurt you too much to the point where that's where Shake would maybe add a little bit more for you? It's going to become a half-court game. And that's, to me, when you insert an Al Horford. That's really, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter who starts, but it's really about who finishes the game. And at the end of the day, Al Horford was brought in to finish games with this team, not necessarily start him. He's the guy that, at the end of the game, I know he's going to show up because he did it to us last year. And he did it to teams in the past a million times. Like He is going to show up at the end of the game. But as far as that start of the game, that I have to come out the gates and set a tone as a coach and as a team, Matisse Thibault, to me, his ability to get up and down the transition early still. Things like teams feed off of stuff like that. Stuff like that in the beginning of the game or at the beginning of the second half, like it makes a world of difference on the team that's playing and obviously against your opponent because it's just like, shit, we can't get anything. And then you throw in a shake Milton and get a couple of shots. Then you throw in an hour for when it slows down and turns into uh, a half-court game. But as far as the start of the game goes, it's about pace setting. It's about setting the tone. You know what I mean? It's about showing up early. And I like that. I like that lineup to just, just come out the gates. And it's like, this is what this shit's about to be. Absolutely. No, I love the fact that you just brought up Matisse Thibault. I think that that would be excellent. I think Brett has a lot of options. He's going to have to figure yeah. a lot out when it comes to this rotation for the postseason. But Matisse Thibault would not be a bad option at all. Now, let's bring up Josh Richardson. What is Josh Richardson? What's his role? Do you like when he's more of a point guard? Do you like when he's more of a shooting guard? I've said this before. If he was your straight-up sixth man, I think that that would be phenomenal. I'm talking all season long. If if you're telling me Josh Richardson is the sixth man of the Sixers, he's that Lou Will kind of guy, that mm-hmm. would be great. Now, not as many buckets as him, but you understand what I'm saying as if yeah. you know he's your go-to sixth man. I yeah. would definitely like that for Josh Richardson. I don't think that's his role here. What do you see out of him, though? It's weird because he does he does kind of have that tweener spot. Although he's traditionally looked at as a point guard, he's probably a little bit closer to skill set wise, a small forward or two guard, depending on the night, depending on the uh, the matchup. I like him more as a as a two guard than a point guard. I don't really like him. Not unless I don't like him setting stuff up, but I feel like he's a little bit more comfortable on that wing position. And his points are going up every year, so I would like to see how much you can get out of him. I think he averaged around like 14 this year, went up from like 12 last year. The year before that, it was like 10. I think he started off his career at like six. So it's like he's figuring out his offensive game. I would like to see him continue to mature in that as opposed to let's pull you closer to the point guard position, which really ain't natural for him. Like if you watched him at Tennessee, like that ain't really his job. He was a defensive guy who was known to, you know, get a bucket here or there. He was kind of known as a slasher, if anything. But to see his offensive game maturing that wing more, to me, is more valuable down the line and for the Sixers period. I like Josh Richardson. I just feel like I don't know what to expect from him game by game because his defense by the perimeter, it's great, and he's definitely versatile when it comes to his defense. But there's some games where it's like, holy shit, dude, you just dropped 36. You scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. You took over. But then there's games where it's, what did Josh Richardson even play the game and he went through some injury stuff so I know that played a factor in what happened this season for him I'm not saying he's a bad player at all I honestly just don't know what to expect out of him I don't know where I like him more I thought I would like him as the point guard I think I like Shake Milton more as the point guard when Ben's not on the floor when the ball's not in his hands I don't know how he is as just a straight-up two-guard either. I just flat-out don't really know much about Josh Richardson at this point in terms of what 
does he provide every single game that I can rely on outside of defense? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, bro. I, I don't know. I, I think you're right. I, I think he is kind of up and down with it. And sometimes, like you said, you have a night where it's like 36, 30 points, and he just seems to take over. He seems to have that Lou Will type of gene where it's just like, we need a bucket. He's gonna get it. And the other night, you're right. It's like, where is he? So, so where, where would you where would you put him if he is that six man spot? What are you really getting out of him? And who's filling that seat for him in the starting lineup? Like, well, what I, type of players filling it? Yeah, I think for right now, when you look at the roster, it's it's he's in the starting rotation. I mean, with yeah. this team, with the way it is, he is the starting rotation. I'm just saying. I'm saying like next season, if, right, he, if, if he's if, a six man. If I could build this roster the way that I would. If I'm looking for a specific role out of the sixth man, I think that type of player could be your sixth man, but I don't see that being realistic with what the Sixers have. Now, I just think, in general, his game would be a good sixth man role as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, I I do too. I do too. I, I'm just very interested to see like who will come into that spot. But I like him. I, I like him a lot just because he's a defensive-minded player. Like they said, this team was built for the postseason and defense. I like his idea of uh, sorry, his ability, shall I say, to set the tone. But you're, you're right, the up and down kind of makes it confusion. And his tweeners, his it's weird because like you have this thing where it's like everybody wants positionless basketball, but then you have these tweeners. And then we give them shit because it's like, well, what are you? You know what I mean? But it's like, I don't really think they know what they are. So she's just a ball player. So kind of take what the night gives you. But maybe that's why the Sixers are struggling the way that they do, because no one really knows, you know, definitively what they're going to do if all else fails. But oh, we're going to see. He's definitely going to be a starter, though. If he doesn't start, I'm going to be appalled. Oh, yeah, no doubt. He's definitely going to Broke off start. starts. Yeah. What'd you say? I said broke off takes the spot. Oh, yeah, like, broke oh, off God. starts. Hey, you never know, man. Those, <laughs> those Brett Brown haters right now are listening going, you might be right, you two. Don't be joking. You might be right. <laughs> no, I, I'm not trying to hate oh, on Josh Richardson. I, I like him, and I think that he can totally be valuable to teams. And yeah. I mentioned him dropping 36 one night or dropping 32 another night. He's doing that for a reason, right? Because he totally yeah. can have those nights. I guess it's more about the consistency of doing it, and that's yeah. something that he's going to have to continue to work on. Now, we have another question here, and uh, this is kind of simple to me. What kind of shape will Joel Embiid be in? And I say it's simple because I think the answer is he's not going to be in perfect shape. That's reality. We've seen mm -hmm. it now year after year after year after year. No matter if he puts in 3,000% work or he doesn't and he eats Chick-fil-A sandwiches, it doesn't matter. It's just as if he's always in the same shape, which is not good enough shape. And that doesn't mean this team is screwed forever, but I just don't think he's going to be in phenomenal shape after this. I, I hope we're wrong. And I say we're because I I'm thinking the same type of thing. I'm serious. I, I think like you, it's like... I need to see it at this point. I, I don't I don't believe it. I think so much of him, with him, it comes down to diet. At the end of the day, it's like you can work all you want. But like you said, if you eat Chick-fil-A sandwiches and all that, and that just might be a, a maturity thing. But if his diet's not right, he's always going to be a certain amount of out of shape. No matter, he's saying, what, six times a week? Six times a week at this point? Yeah, six times a week. I didn't get yeah. all juiced up for that comment because I mentioned, you know what, he might be working out six times a week. What's LeBron doing? 12, 12? Yeah. Well, what's, yeah. what's Giannis doing? Eight? I mean, exactly. I get that that's good that he's working out, but let's not just throw away that show our other people around the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he definitely has a lot of ground to cover in that. But I just, I don't know, man. This year has been very odd. So if this is, if there's any time I had to put my chips on him coming back differently, it's in 2020. Ooh. I am really hoping that we are wrong. And he comes back cut up like a bag of dope and just completely annihilate. <laughs> I do good dope. Exactly. I got a good hope. Exactly. Got the J's at the dope. <laughs> Joel and B comes back just on with some shit. And, and all of us are not, I'm not saying all of us who are rooting against it because we aren't, but all of us who are quite frankly just thinking realistically, if we've seen and heard this spiel before, I hope that we're wrong. Because it, it would, it would, oh my gosh, it would be such a just taken off point for the Sixers if he could come back in phenomenal shape. Joel Embiid with Ben Simmons' shape 
would be an unstoppable force. Mm-hmm. I just don't think you're ever going to get it, and I feel as if it's because the nature of being 7-2 and running the amount of miles that he runs. I believe there's a stat that tracks how many miles these guys run all season long, and he's always mm-hmm. at the top of the list, which is funny and ironic because those people that scream he doesn't get in the paint enough, he's hanging up by the perimeter too much. Well, look around yeah. the league, and this dude's running up and down more than anybody else, so that means you got to be getting lower. Exactly, exactly. And I, I will say this just to give him a bit of a pass. Part of that, uh, his being out of shape is a test of the injuries. That kills him. Like when he sits out those couple weeks or months or whatever, like that kills his stamina. That absolutely kills it. So just, just to give him a slight pass, but for when he is in there, it's 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 something we got to see at this point. It's, it's put up or shut up, like we said before. Who put up or shut up for Joel Embiid? Is it put up or shut up for Brett Brown? The last question in the article mm-hmm. is Brett Brown coaching for his job, and and I do think that reality is yes. I I do think so. I think that this upper management and this front office is looking at Brett Brown this season, going look. You gotta, you gotta do something here. Now, what does coaching for his job mean? If he goes seven games in the second round again, and then you factor in the circumstances, do you give him another year? I think if he gets to the Eastern Conference Finals, he deserves another year because that shows me he has grown and developed each year as a coach to get mm-hmm. them farther and farther every single time. The Brad Stevens year, it was an ugly playoff loss. The next year, I think he went toe-to-toe with Nick Nurse, and they fell with the quadruple bounce. Seven games. And then you're telling me he gets to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that that is showing growth. But if he gets to the second round and loses in seven again, does that mean he gets fired? I mean, there's a lot of question marks for Brett Brown. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of it's going to come down to not only the result, but how sharp it looks. At the end of the day, they're looking for somebody to coach this team, period. So let's say in these eight regular season games, you know, it just it looks like ah, they kind of figured it out. Or I think if they can look at these games and say that he didn't definitively do something to make sure that this team won, it's over. And that, that pains me so much to say. But I feel like they're looking at somebody. We need this team to be coached. So they go out there, the scheme that they go out on the floor with, their execution, they're sharp, they're fast with it. I think that plus the result, because let's be honest, let's, let's not act like the results don't matter. Plus the results and how far they go is what's going to make sure uh, Brett Brown stays in Philly or gets fired. I just wonder how much they look at what has happened this year. Is Elton Brand going to sit there and go, dude, We just went through a pandemic, and you're telling me after three, four months off, I got to demand my coach to win a championship? Do they value what just happened in the time off, or do they look at it as almost an excuse? I don't know what they're going to do. There's so many ways to look at it, to to think that – the atmosphere they're playing in, going to Orlando, no fans, having three, four months off is the same as going through a regular NBA season. Well, that would be silly. So do they almost give him a free pass to an extent and go, guys, look what just happened. How am I supposed to say that Brett Brown did a horrendous job? Or, you know, if he wins, there's going to be people out there saying, well, they only won because there was no atmosphere and the no fan. I mean, it's a lose-lose kind of, I think, yeah. for Brett in his position. But I just for wonder, the haters. Yeah, for his, in his position, yes. Yeah. But I wonder how someone like Elton Brand views that when it comes to making this decision. Hopefully, realistically. Hopefully, realistically. I, I think the pandemic does play into it. But as far as the pressure and expecting him to go out and win, yeah, because that's what the other coaches are doing for theirs. You know I mean? That's what the other GMs are doing for their coaches. So it's not – I don't think that's unrealistic. Like I said, I, I really think Elton Brand knows basketball enough to know, number one, how does this look? You know what I mean? You had X amount of time to plan and figure things out. And obviously, if everybody comes back healthy, they're looking at art. Right, how does this look? on paper like you look at what happened with the golden state warriors with mark uh mark jackson pretty much right around the time that dynasty started to heat up it was obvious that that team could function without that coach that was it makes it so much easier to get rid of him or they it was obvious that they were missing one more thing that mark jackson couldn't get him we need a we need an nba uh championship coach who understands this game at that level just to get them that little bit of tweaking over. But it was so obvious that they didn't need Mark Jackson through and through to make that team was what it was. You look at a team like the Spurs, where it's like if Greg Popovich isn't there and Tim Duncan is not there, you have a problem. You know what I mean? I think they're looking at that. They're, they're kind of wanting that from Brett Brown. Maybe a little bit in between, but more towards the if you aren't there, 
this team is not the same. We don't need somebody out there. And it's like, oh, these guys are going to be fine without him because then at that point is, well, why do we have? Him? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I look at um, the Mark Jackson thing always cracks me up because that's the first person people look towards when it comes to replacing Brett Brown because he's the opposite. He's the he's the hard guy. He's the guy who'll get in your face a little bit more, and they want that out of their coaches. Yet they always use him as the example on who needed to be fired in Golden State for Steve Kerr to come in, who is the version of Brett Brown where it's team guy, not so much as in your face, more of a, you know, player's coach. So the the whole Mark Jackson thing, always very comical to me. Very critical when people look at that scenario. You can't win. You can't win. You can't win. Can't win. Can't win. All right, you ready for this one? Because I think this conversation is going to be fun. Hell yeah. This is on Bleacher Report. Which NBA star would see the biggest legacy boost with the 2020 title? And the way that they approach this is, you know, they they didn't go with, let's say, LeBron James number one. Because I feel like that would be your obvious answer. Like, oh, hey, yeah, LeBron, right? To me, I think that is the number one. Because three compared to four chasing Michael Jordan, yes, that would be such a big boost in 2020 because now he's in play for a fifth. You know, I think that is big. And if he gets five, where does he fall on the list then? So, to me, it's number one, LeBron James. But they didn't go in that route with this, which makes it a little bit more interesting because you have some conversation when it comes to the higher in the list. But there was an honorable mention. And I think this is interesting because it relates to the 76ers. The honorable mention on this list is Jokic. And I find that to be fascinating because if he was to win the NBA title this year, biggest legacy boost, I think that's a little extreme. But what I do think it does, does that change the game of basketball? Will you now see teams start building around a center, a point center, if you will? Is that what you will see if Jokic wins? I don't think it's so much a biggest legacy boost for him personally. I think it just changes the game of basketball. Changes the game. It changes the game in the same way when Steph and them won, or Steph started to heat up and he got to the the uh, MVP, and people were like, "Small ball, small ball," and a guy who can shoot from half court. That's what we want. Like, I honestly don't think you have a Trey Young as close. You know, this is not like Steph Curry's out of the league or towards the end of his career, but I don't think you have a guy like Trey Young without his Steph Curry, quite frankly. Like, people are so high on getting that next version of that. I think you're absolutely right. I've already said this before. I feel like it's trending towards that point, you know, that point center type of position. I feel like it's going to be him and Joel Embiid are going to be at the helm of basketball because, like I said, it, it went from the pendulum swing was everybody wanted small ball, and then it was the three and D guys um, a couple years ago when the Sixers drafted Mikael Bridges and then um, went and got Zaire Smith, and then the following year they give him a T style. Everybody wants a three and D guy who looks like he can develop into that. Robert Covington was huge for us because of that. And now I feel like it's kind of swinging back towards no, the big man, the big man who can shoot from several positions, pass the ball somewhat, but dominate inside. I, I think that's huge. I think that's a, a great take by you saying that it's not exactly the biggest legacy boost for him as it is for the game of basketball and where it's going. Right. If he won the championship and the Nuggets won the championship, I really don't think we look at Jokic as this insane, dominant man that's about to like start taking over yeah. the NBA in terms of the legacy. But I do think it changes the way that teams start building their roster because it's a copycat league. Or they might go, well, that was kind of a fluke, and they continue with the small ball. Yeah, You don't yeah. know that, right? I mean, it's hard for me to imagine 30 NBA teams with a Joel Embiid and a Jokic. And here's the difference, though. Maybe it's just that much harder to find. You don't find these guys. They're so rare. But with players who can shoot from three and be a little bit smaller and with handles, that's an easier find than the big man. And you can't tell me that there's going to be 30 big men that can dominate with their type of handles. You can find maybe a Dwight Howard in the Orlando Magic days. But guess what? That's not the same version of the big man as this. So maybe because of... Um, just how rare and how hard it is to find. Maybe you wouldn't see it because they don't grow on trees. They don't. But what happened is you would have a lot of play, or younger players. They start to model their game after that. So maybe it's not something that you see the effects of right away. But now that big man is going to UConn or that big man is going to Gonzaga. They're developing them. to. They already have been. Lord knows. Especially Why not Gonzaga. throwing over? Huh? Why not Villanova? Uh, I'm just calling it what it is. That's Guard University. I, uh, I ain't come great. on. <laughs> yeah. Come on, coach. Hey, 
Listen, man. Listen, Mark listen. Few can do it. <laughs> coach can. Coach Jack Wright can do it. I defend this shit out of Illinois, but I ain't about to sit here acting like that's some big man factory. That shit is guard university. Now, what if up. what if Jay Wright had a Joel Embiid in his back pocket? You're not telling oh. me that he he would turn that into a center university? No, 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 no. Yeah, for that year, for that year. But generally speaking, it's generally speaking, program. it's the guard. It's huh? a four year program. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Generally speaking, not as guard university, but it would you would start to see the reverberations of players being like, all right, if you I mean you're already kind of seeing it, but it would it would it would take on a different, like you said, it, it would be a it would just be a, such a boost. It would be all right, listen, the whole idea of you just shooting hook shots, that's not enough no more. You got to be able to throw it out the post with both hands. You got to be able to operate from the elbow. And I, I think a league like that with that position being that skill, that is scary. Because now nobody can hide. Now, no, like you can't, you have to be an all-around player in every position. That's truly positionless basketball. I'm just smiling because we're talking basketball. Yeah. We're talking basketball. It's so much more fun talking basketball than breaking down what the league's going to do and how many games there's going to be. And the, We're talking basketball. We're talking practice, <laughs> not the game. I don't want to talk practice. I want to talk games. All right, so for this list, that was their honorable mention. At number six was LeBron James, so that was the first person on the list in terms of going backwards. So number six, LeBron James. And and I think that makes a lot of sense for the way that they approached this. They thought it was too obvious of an answer to have him at number one. So we'll just say, look, LeBron James, I think you would agree with me, if he gets a fourth – then it just it sparks that fifth conversation. If he gets that fifth, now we're talking, and time's running out. So if he does get that fourth this year, I think that's a huge legacy boost for him. Absolutely. Absolutely. But let, let me ask you, because I, I said if he gets the fourth, to me, it's it's 1A, 1B, 1C. Like, it, it's really like it depends on the day and who you're arguing with, but you can't keep him out of that argument anymore. Do you really think it's going to take the fifth to get him there? I don't think anyone's ever going to say yes at this point. Even if he won six, they'd say he had finals losses and Jordan was perfect. I feel because Jordan was the first one, he was the one that made the global star as big as it was. No one's really going to ever say that LeBron James is the greatest ever because of that and because of um, how he facilitates more than he's a killer, if you will, and things like that. I don't think anyone will really anyone who was a Michael Jordan diehard will transform over to the LeBrons. There'll be people like me that think overall, overall game when it comes to more than just scoring and killer instinct is LeBron the better overall basketball player? Yes, I think he is in in all of his game combined. Yes, but I don't think. The Michael Jordan diehards will ever, ever, ever allow that to actually be in play, even if he does win six. Maybe if he wins nine. I don't think he's got that much time left, though, D-Ray. Yeah. yeah I'm going to no. cry my eyes out the day that he retires. Sucks. I, he, he's, to me, even more so than Kobe was. Like, it almost is unimaginable to, for him not to be playing. Like, it, it just doesn't seem – I think because of how long he stayed in his, like – not prime. He's, he's still in that shit. Exactly. He led like the, the league in assists last year down. at 35. He's not even a point guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that shit is kind of... Like, for him, it's going to be... When he walks away, it's truly going to be like, this shit just doesn't look right. Because it wasn't like it was a decline. There wasn't any injury to help him out for, like, a season at a time or a long period of time. Like, he really just kind of stayed in fourth gear from the time he put on the Miami uniform till now. So... That's going to be interesting. But I, I think you're right. They're, not, they're never going to get off of that. I've said it. I'll say it again publicly. If he gets the four rings, to me, it's like, all right, we, we need to reevaluate this conversation. If he gets the five, I don't see how you can argue with it. Anymore. Let's go. Let's I go. don't see how. Stop. I, I didn't even have my coffee yet, dude. This is my coffee. Keep giving <laughs> me LeBron this, stuff, baby. This shit get you juiced up. Yeah, it's go. just kind of weird, though, that they said that he was sixth. Out of, I mean, we, me and you know the name's coming up. but. Yeah. Well, I the reason I, I think I, I get the mindset of it. it, it was too simple of an answer. So for number five, it's Kawhi Leonard. And mm-hmm. they put Kawhi Leonard in here because he won with San Antonio, but he wasn't really the guy. Although defensively, we just talked about LeBron James. He did his thing on LeBron. But you look at that team and you think of the Hall of Famers around him more so than him himself. 
Then he won in Toronto. But then people speculate, hey, he got um, a lucky bounce because Golden State completely fell apart. They were extremely banged up. But look, he, he really did carry that Toronto team. Adding another championship after leaving that town, going to Los Angeles, even though he teamed up with um, Paul George and a great crew around him, going to another city and winning another title to give him three would add a big boost to his legacy. And I can't disagree with that at all. I feel like it's a bigger boost than they're playing up. Somebody who goes to three different cities and wins a championship in each one, being the guy who wins the finals MVP and being the guy during the season, that's major. And obviously, like you said, the Spurs, he had those three Hall of Famers around him. But let's call it what it is. He did his damn thing. He, he showed up for that. And he was a kid back then. He did it in Toronto. If he does it again in L.A., to me, there's so much more to be said about Kawhi Leonard's spot in the game of just being the ultimate Omega. Like, even more than Hakeem Olajuwon, like, this guy is the ultimate Omega. Like, he is just by definition the best Omega this game has ever seen. Hell yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he should be higher up on the list because at this point, it's more about taking over. He would be winning the championship because of Kawhi Leonard again. Once you start transitioning into the guy – if you're telling me you're winning championships, and and that would be two in a row, uh, mm-hmm. let's not throw that out the window as if it doesn't matter. Two in a row, now you're starting to add that, yo, you got to go through Kawhi Leonard to win the title, and that's important. So I do think that they're downplaying this, but I do get, once again, where they're going when it comes to the rest of the list. So at number four, we have a Philadelphia 76er, mm. Benjamin Simmons. That's right, Ben Simmons. At number four, and if he was to win a title in 2020, you look at the Prince a little differently. Now you're talking about a dude who is so controversial, can't shoot the basketball, he'll never work in this league, how can you be a point guard and not be able to shoot the ball, and he would have a title under his name, and at the age of 23, it would be that much more impactful because you know what's more what's left and, and how much more to, is there is to come when it comes to his age. So number four, Ben Simmons, your reaction. I, I like it. I, I like it. I, I don't see it quite frankly. Um, him winning the title this year. I, I just don't, I mean, now, obviously I'm pulling that for because it. Because if they win the title, it, as I just said with Kawhi, he would be the guy. If the Sixers win the title, would it be because of Ben Simmons? Or now is it, well, look, they had Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, and Josh Richardson. Is it more about he was just on a good team compared to him being the guy who's going to put up 32 points, 17 assists? You know what I mean, though? Obviously, that's ridiculous. No, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. It would take that type of quantum leap for him to be considered the guy. Don't get me wrong. Yes, him winning would help his legacy, but... We've already said it. The Sixers a team is probably going to win by a committee. It's not like a Kawhi Leonard where it's like it's head and shoulders over. There's no disputing. And if Joe Embiid, come, it, quite frankly, they're not going to get there without Joe Embiid coming back on some shit. So it's like it's not really. And that article has said they wanted to throw in Joe Embiid and Ben Simmons, but they could only choose one of them. They, he said, I think he said, I wanted to almost throw in Hanky. Yeah, along exactly. with <laughs> what, what was the, what was the yeah, line he said? I almost went with the duo of duo of Simmons and Joel Embiid. Heck, I almost threw Sam Hinkie's name into the ring. A title, even a strange one, would further validate the process. Exactly, exactly. Like That would be huge, but like we said, it's not like Kawhi Leonard, and it's not like LeBron, where it's just, it's definitively head and shoulders over. Now, if he went out there and put up that monster uh, stat line that you just said, yeah. Yeah, and to me, it is no longer the Prince. He's just his own man, and this shit is about to get scary for the rest of the league, which we're hoping for. We're hoping for, but... Ah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're giving me... Ah. So Ah. you would put LeBron and Kawhi over Ben Simmons for the the legacy talk. Yeah. Yeah, just because... Yeah, just because the individual. You know what I mean? The individual. The next one's interesting, though. Mm -hmm. The Greek Freak. Yeah. How important is this title run for the Greek Freak? I would say this is huge. I feel like this is a good name on the list. We've been speaking about Greek Freak being the MVP season after season, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't have the hardware to really back it up. Adding a title now would definitely maybe start that, that flow into the right direction of we talk about it now. You got to go through the Bucks. You got to go through Giannis. You got to go through him. 
add a title to the list and it changes his legacy, no doubt about it. Absolutely. And let's call it what it is. The Greek freak between his age, his natural ability, um, how fast he's progressed in this league has a chance to be, if not the best, one of the best of all time. Like we're seeing a, 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 a once in a, I'm not even gonna say generation. He's he's a he's a he's an all timer as far as his skill set in the game goes already. If you add a title to that at this age, that's scary. No doubt about it, man. That build is something else. You know, like yeah. how can you possibly be built like that? I want to be yeah. built like that, D Ray. Yeah, at like seven, whatever he is. No. Those no. Euro steps, he takes one step. I mean, I don't even understand. Somehow he Euro steps and it's one step. I don't even know that that makes sense. It doesn't make sense, but that's how he does it. I mean, his strides are so damn long. He, he, he like Euro steps from like the elbow to the block. Like that shit is ridiculous. So smooth though. And then dunks with either hand. Yeah, no, that would be huge. You add a title in that, that's different. Now, who has the smoothest Euro? Is it is it Joel Embiid's or is it Giannis? I, I think Joel's. Something well, the about only Joel's. reason why I think it looks a little smoother for him is because it's coming from the center position. So it's just so much more rare, you know? It's it's just so smooth at 7-2, and he jams it on there. He's got a little afro. He gives you one of these. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's because it's like the strike. Giannis, he Euro steps in the strides are so big. It almost doesn't look like a Euro step, but like, Joel Eurostep's like a guard. Like it's like it's the complete movement of the body. Like, like Giannis Eurosteps and it's just like stride to stride. Like what's name? It's the complete shift of the body. That's why he does it when he's going back to the bench, the shift of the body. And then, he, and then sometimes he'll lay it up. Giannis and Eurostepping and bang this shit, which almost kind of negates how cool it looks because it's just like, get the fuck out. Like, what the hell is this? But when John B does it and then finger rolls at the end at 7 2, it's just like. I remember when Joel Embiid was talking to the media about how he he watches all these greats and their guards with shooting, and everyone's like, oh, my God, Joel, why are you watching these guys? And Well, that's why. Look at what he does. Look at his skill set. Yeah. That's why he's watching those guys. Obviously, he watches, you know, Olajuwon and watches the footwork, but he was talking about watching some of these players in today's game, Kevin Durant, all this, and, oh, come on, Joel, get on the low block. You know, those get exactly. off my lawn, people. Uh, come on. Grow up. Grow up. All right, number two on the list. Chris Paul. And I think this is very valid. So he has 10 all-star appearances, nine all-defensive selections, eight all-NBA teams, and four top five MVP finishes. Chris Paul has been a legend at that position. You're a traditional point guard and even more so than just that. He's been fantastic, and he's been a veteran, and he's been so damn good in this league, but does not have the Larry O'Brien to support it. I think you add one title, one title to Chris Paul's whole entire career, and it changes the way he is viewed. It changes everything. I feel like without it, he's viewed, he's kind of in that Charles Barkley conversation of a guy who was right there, that Patrick Ewing conversation, that guy who was a great Hall of Famer, without a doubt, but, you know, they they say what they you say back in the day, without a ring, it don't mean a thing. You know what I mean? Like that really, I, I think Chris Paul, if anybody, has the most just because of how long his career has been. And it's no secret that it's winding down. Like him to get one at this point, it, it changes it. Oh, no doubt about it. If I, it. With the way that they had the mindset clocking into this specific article, Chris Paul would make the most sense at number one. Yeah. I think Chris Paul would be the most sense at number one with the way that they approach this. But at number one, they had James Harden. And I just don't understand how they went with him. They kind of dive into his numbers and how great he is when it comes to his offense and how elite that really is. And I, I get that, but I'm sorry. You're telling me Chris Paul or James Harden wins the NBA title? One person's legacy is way more impacted than the other one. And, and the answer is Chris Paul. Like Chris yeah. Paul, the Greek freak. I would I would have went a different way with this, but you can't not have LeBron at the top. I get that that's boring, but yes, this does impact LeBron's legacy differently. LeBron, Kawhi, Chris Paul, and the Greek Freak have to be in over James Harden. I mean, I don't I don't get the James Harden at number one at all. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't like that. I don't like that. I, like I, I just I, I can't even find the 
the approach to it. I don't get it. Why? Because he's this guy who gets knocked for his defense. So you're saying, well, here's a guard who can score a bunch of points. And if he can do it, then the league is going to change. I mean, that's what the league is right now, right? It's small guards who can just shoot the basketball and shoot the lights out. So I don't get how that no one's going to look at James Harden any differently. They already look at him as this guy who can score the basketball at will. I, I don't I just don't see James Harden at one at all. I don't see them winning a title. I don't like Kobe has said it before he had passed. He was like, they're not going to win with that style of play. And I've been vocal about it before. I don't think Mike D'Antoni can coach anybody too. with him making the, the amount of decisions he makes. I don't think that offensive minded of a coach can make, can coach somebody to a championship game because you can't, you can't win with that. You can't win everything with that. You can win some regular season games, but you're not going to win a title just with a guy who plays ISO ball through and through. I will say this, like your um, Joel Embiid argument of, you know, him making it to a certain point and changing the game, or sorry, Jokic, you know, same type of player. I feel like that really changes what we consider a basketball title uh, to look like if if James Harden and the Houston Rockets go out there and win. Well, this, is, this, is just... an in- yeah, this is an interesting sentence here, and we'll, we'll close on this. In the James Harden um, – article I guess they not article but they give a little description on why they chose James Harden if Simmons is one of the most polarizing players in the sport Harden's picture could be found beside the word in Webster's dictionary so is he comparing Harden to Ben Simmons when it comes to being a polarizing player because I don't see that one bit. Are you kidding me? Ben Simmons at 6'10 at the point guard position who can't shoot a basketball is nowhere even close to the same as polarizing as James Harden and his offense. Yeah. That's yeah, mind-blowing. Nah. Yeah, no, nah, I, I, it's kind of hard for me to agree with this guy now. Yeah. That, that, that shit just that negated so much. I know, but that creates fun conversation. Moral of the story, <laughs> they did this completely wrong. <laughs> so, with that being said, D-Ray, another episode in the books. Mm-hmm. We talked basketball the entire time. That means hoops is trending in the right direction. Exactly. And before you know it, they'll be in Orlando. They'll be in the bubble. And hopefully we get to see some hoops, some legitimate hoops being played. Hopefully we can see some of this training camp. Maybe they do a live special on NBC Sports Philadelphia of Brett Brown with the whistle. Again! Again! Just running their asses so everyone can see he's such a hard ass and saves his job. Yeah, because that'll do it. Damn right. Ugh. You know that. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Processed, and we will see you next time.